Welcome to the Queen of Awakening podcast, where you can learn how to leverage your energy for thriving relationships, better vitality, and more prosperity. Hosted by Jesse Cole. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode nine with Judy Goodrow. She is a pastor at a church in Jackson, Michigan, and I wanted to have her on because she's rather open-minded, in my opinion, for a pastor. So I just wanted to see how you navigate life as a pastor and having Um, different belief systems in place. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long journey, Jesse. Let me tell you. (laughs) I started out Catholic and then I was Lutheran and then I did a short stint Pentecostal and went to a Church of Christ and went to a number of different places. And every time I went somewhere... I shed some beliefs that weren't serving me anymore, and I embraced some new beliefs. And so now I finally landed in a denomination, very open-minded, and allows us to wrestle with our faith and try to figure out what it looks like for us without being spoon-fed. Really? Yeah, and without... Without that old mindset that Christians are famous for, that the Bible says it, so we believe it, and that settles it. Not at all. So for me and my church, we read the Bible and then we question it and we wrestle with it and we think about our experiences with life. And then we settle on what works for us as individuals, not necessarily as the whole group. Wow. Yeah. We just had a conversation about this yesterday at church. So that's really interesting that you asked me that question. And so that's probably why that all came up. (laughs) But yeah, it's very freeing to be able to figure out what you believe and what works for you. And then to be open to the changes that come as you have new experiences in your life. So we just practice being open and that way we can also love and accept everyone else wherever they are on their journey without demanding that they believe what we believe or um, read the Bible the way that we read it. And we do read other things besides the Bible. Like what? I like to read things from all different flavors. Like the book I've been working through for a long time is Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh, wow. Yeah. Paramahansa Yogananda. And... um, I read Rumi and just whatever speaks to my heart. And I find a lot of parallels between all of those different forms of literature and what we have recorded that Jesus said. So I think that Jesus probably did the same. I love that. I do too. I do too. Makes him more approachable. It mm-hmm. sure does. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend some of this reading to the people at your church? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm fairly new, so they know what I read, but I don't know if they're quite ready to read it yet. Um, We're actually starting a book study called See No Stranger, which basically means, you know, we're all united. And when we see one another, no matter what our skin color or our nationality or our gender, that we're all connected. And I think that's this. It's an attitude that every church should have. Wow. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's a really good way to look at things. We try. <laughs> you teach a an older generation. I do, but this Typically. is so funny. Yeah. Um, I generally try to tailor whatever I say to the age group of the church, right? And most of them are 60 and up. 
Okay. But we've been having some teenagers and younger people show up. Really? And 20-something couples. And I finally said to this one young person, he's 15, I said, why are you here at church with all of us old people? (laughs) And he said, I don't know. We just really like this church. And I thought, wow, what in the world? I love that. So they come from, him and his family come from a really fundamental um, church. So they really believe the Bible. And if it says that you're going to hell, they believe that, you know, hell's a place and you're going to go there. In my church, we would say, okay, let's talk about that. Are we sure? You know, what kind of God would send people to hell? You know, and um, he is way more open in his theology than his parents are. So he's been coming to our church, which I love. I love that. That's great. I'm glad yeah. to hear you're getting some younger people. Yeah. There. So, right, right. Because older people are, a lot of them are very open, but they have so many years of old beliefs that they pull with them. And it's, they feel threatened, you know, when when I introduce something new. But lately, they've been doing really good. <laughs> I feel like as we age, a lot of times we get more and more set in our ways and more set we, in our beliefs. We do. we do. I read some research recently that the brain has 6,200 thoughts per day. And as you get older, more and more of your thoughts are old. They are the same thoughts you had yesterday or last week or last month or the last decade. And so when you get to be 60, you're having thoughts that you formed when you were two or five or eight years old. And you're still, you know, you're still thinking those same thoughts about the world and about yourself and about God. And so it's really hard to make room in your brain for some new thoughts. That's what I try to do every week. Try to to get everybody to think a little bit differently. I feel like a lot of the older generation, they get set in bitterness and anger as well. How do you approach stuff like that? Because it can be really difficult. They don't really see the glass as half full. They don't. And one thing we have to remember is that when people don't move along the way we'd like them to, our response always has to be love and acceptance. So if they're not ready to move, there's nothing we can say that will help them move until they're ready to listen. You know yeah. that saying that the teacher appears when the student is ready, the teacher appears, that's the way that goes. So if they're not ready to hear what I have to say, they won't, it just won't go in. They can't take it in. But I just keep encouraging, like every single week, every meeting, every time I talk to people, I'm always encouraging them to be more joyful and oh. to live more in the present. Um, to stop living in the past. Because when I got to this particular church, everybody would say, well, we used to do this. We used to do that. And we used to have, you know, 25 kids in our youth group. And we used to, used to, used to. Well, all that happened in like 1960, (laughs) you know? So it's like, okay, that is not going to happen again. So let's try something new. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm pulling the train up the hill. I think they're all starting to come around and at least be open to yeah. looking at life a little differently. And even looking at new uses for the church. I mean, we are only having service in there one day a week. So why not rent the space out for other things during the week. So we're putting a little money into the sanctuary to look at being uh, more welcoming to the community. Like here's this meeting space. You can come and use this space because why, I mean, we need to share. 
Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, but it's it's hard. You're right. As they as folks get older, life hurts sometimes, and it's hard. And um, I keep trying to remind them that life is good because I think it is. I really believe that life is a gift. Oh, that's great. How do you encourage people that are feeling lost and hopeless? Like, mm-hmm. if you just feel like you're not really. It, like life hasn't really unfolded the way that you expected it to. How yeah, how do you yeah. encourage people like that? So life never unfolds the way we <laughs> expect it to. It just never does that. So I think it all starts with changing how you think. And there actually are some places in the Bible that are really helpful for changing the way that you think. Um, in one of the scriptures, it says, Whatever is pure and right and noble and trustworthy and excellent or praiseworthy, think on that. So you don't ignore all of your problems and issues, but you don't ruminate on them either. So every time you're feeling lost or hopeless, you go back to, okay, what have I done? What has worked? Where, Where am I loved? Where do I feel like I belong? And then you take a risk sometimes. You know, you have to feel like, okay, this isn't working, so maybe now I'll try something different. And we just remain open. And I think as we're open to life, life delivers. I mean, it can be surprising, but something new rises up. And when we're open and we're ready, we see it. If we're not open, if we're not ready to be there yet, the door could open and we just don't notice it. You know? That makes a lot of sense. I think... I don't think we ever arrive. I think every day is an unfolding part of the journey and just staying present in that moment and in that day and looking for the goodness of it is the best we can do. And that is what we do. Yeah. I mean, that that's what we're here to do, to create a life. And sometimes we're active in the creation of it and sometimes life happens and we think, what in the world has happened to me? I didn't plan on this. But again, to look at what, what am I learning from this and where is the good in this and why, you know, how can I use this? Not why, but how can I use what's happening to me to create something better tomorrow? It's all perspective, I think. But feel the feelings, you know, if you're feeling lost and hopeless and sad, feel them for a while. I think it's okay to feel the feelings, but let's not live there. You know, let's not make a home and live in that sadness. Let's feel it and acknowledge it and thank it for coming into our lives and teaching us and then learn from it and move on and get a lot of sleep. (laughs) I'm not kidding. The days that I'm at my worst is when I just have not rested enough. So oh, there's something about rest. I, I think we've talked about that before. That sometimes you just need to go to sleep. <laughs> Wake <laughs> up and it's a new day. It's a new <laughs> moment and you feel better. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that helps or if that answers your question. Because it's, you know, when people are hopeless, it's really hard. It's it hard, hard for them. And it's hard for us to come alongside. One thing, though, I just thought of when somebody is feeling hopeless or sad, um, I can't be sad enough to help them feel better. I That's can't true. be poor enough to help someone else be richer. I can't be angry enough to help someone else with their social justice issues. I can be joyful though, and I can share my joy and that builds them up. Yeah. You see, So I, I just caution people not to stay in those negative feelings for too long, feel them and then look for a way to feel joy. 
Yeah. That's powerful, I think. Yeah. It's not original. <laughs> I'm sure I read it somewhere. <laughs> I'm pretty positive you have. Yeah. <laughs> what would you recommend to anybody that might be looking for a church? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'll try not to talk too long. Okay. It's not so much about the worship. Everybody wants to go to these churches where you got like the rock band and the super cool preacher who wears jeans and, you know, or you want to go to a church that's super liturgical. So first you stand up and What's sing. What's liturgical mean? So there's an order of worship. So liturgy means the work of the people. So in those churches, all the people's people's, all the people generally <laughs> sit in pews and the order of worship is really distinct. Like now we're going to sing hymn number 432. Now we're going to have our opening prayer. Now please stand with us and share the sign of peace. And it goes through this process. And when you get to the end of checking all the boxes, you feel like, okay, we did it. We worshiped. We're all done. We can go home now. <laughs> um, I am more attracted to the first kind of church that I mentioned where the music is really upbeat and the, the message is upbeat and, and there's a feeling of expectancy in the church. But none of that is important. What is most important is what are we being taught and what are we teaching our children? So one of the things that we did at our church last month, I hung a rainbow flag outside at the entrance. Really? And yeah. So this is the, you know, open and affirming all LGBTQ and allies. You know, you're welcome here. This is a safe place for you. No one's going to hurt you or attack you um, because we are open to all and I want people to know this is a safe place to come. Um, and then we changed all of the bathroom signs to gender neutral, which was tricky because the men's room had a urinal in it and the women's room didn't. So it says all gender restroom with urinal and all gender <laughs> restroom, no urinal. So hopefully people can understand which one, if, if they are concerned, you know, about walking in on a guy at a urinal. So we want to be open to all. And I think with our um, political and national climate right now, I think that is so important that we want to teach our children that everyone has value, that every single life has divine value. We're all created, I believe, by God or source or universe or whatever language we use. It's all the same, that we're all connected and we have to see the good in one another. And so to me, that's what the flag says. The flag outside says that Everybody is welcome here, that our church is alive, that we're thoughtful people, that we look at the culture and then we look at the Bible and we adapt and figure out our faith for ourselves, like what works now. So I never tell people, you know, here's how you're going to get saved or just come up here to the altar and pray this prayer. And if you cry a little, you get extra points for that. <laughs> uh, and then you're going to go to heaven. Yay. Mm -mm. I don't, I would never do that to someone because I've heard from so many people that were hurt by that kind of religion. So the difference here, we should talk about this. What's the difference between religion and spirituality? You yeah. want to take a stab at it? Religion is more organized and yeah. more, yeah. it's either this way or that way. Right. And spirituality right. is more open. Yeah, that for sure. That's, that's part of it. Um, for me, religion is the ritual and the, the institution and the set of beliefs that helps us think about God 
And spirituality is the pull on our heart from God. So one is the vehicle, like one's the car and one's the actual transportation or the movement. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Um, So you could be spiritual and not religious at all. You could be a deeply spiritual person and never set foot in a church and maybe be healthier for not. Um, (laughs) Or you can be like deeply religious and very into the ritual and totally miss the spiritual boat altogether. I can see that. But the, the thing I'd like to see is some balance. Like, yes, we can be spiritual. We, we, we are spiritual. You know, we are spiritual. We can see that, recognize it and embrace it. Every moment can be a spiritual experience. Absolutely. But then we can also use the religion, the institution as a way to congregate and make changes and, and create a better world. Like, you know, offer our space to the community. Yeah. I mean, we can do some good things. So I think religion has some power and some good to it even though over the course of history it's been pretty nasty. But, yeah, so I never wanted to be a pastor. I mean, no. it was never, oh, heavens no, it was never on my list. Why not? Never. Because of the bad rap, you know? Christianity's taken a bad rap. Look at Islam. I mean, there's so much violence all in the name of God. Yeah, there is. And people feel really deeply right about it, you know? And in my mind, that's self-righteousness. You're feeling good because you have all this anger in your life, and now you have an institution that you can use as your backing. You know, they're going to support you when you act out in a violent way. So, yeah, I never wanted to be involved with that. But you know what? I was in the church my whole life. I, I was just attracted to it for some reason. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad I'm where I'm at now. That's great. I feel like I'm finally where I'm supposed to be so I can help the greatest number of people. So We'll see if I feel that way a year from now. We'll do like a take two. (laughs) One year from today, we'll see, you know, has the church worn me down or are we still moving ahead? That'll be fun to do. I'm going to mark my calendar so we can do that. That's a great idea. I like it because a lot of days it seems like what you do feels more right than others. Absolutely. Good point. Anything that you do. Yes. Yes. I've noticed a couple times each month I like kind of hit bottom and I think I don't see us living, you know, like this whole church is going to die because, and then something amazing happens. Like a 15 year old kid says, I like it here. I think maybe we do have a pulse, you know, maybe there's a future. Oh my goodness. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. And as you took over that church, I can see how you could have lived in fear. Like yeah. I'm never going to get fresh blood into this church. It's oh, yeah. just going to be all of us old yeah. people going well, down. And that was one of the things I had to come to terms with before I went, before I accepted the call there. I just kind of prayed about it and I said to myself or God or the universe or whatever, I can go there and and do my best. And if it dies, I will lay it gently to rest. You know, I've got to be open because it's not my call. I can do what I can to breathe life into it. But, you know, you can only do CPR for so long. And then if it's not (laughs) meant to be, you know, the thing is not going to survive. But I've had a lot of hope lately and it feels really good. Oh, we'll see. But yeah, it, I, I would say the church was on life support when I got there. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe now we're, we're gasping a little bit for air. So, yeah. And that's not something because I grew up spiritually. I did not mm-hmm. grow up with the church. I know. And I'm jealous. <laughs> but then you feel like unmoored 
and lost. Oh, oh. That's something that I struggle with a lot. Mm. Is just feeling really lost and unmoored. Mm. And I'm like, gosh, what am I supposed to do with mm. my life? And I don't really have the structure there that church yeah. gives you. Yes and no. Because I think that even the people in the church feel like you just described. Kind of unmoored and lost. And sometimes the church provides a crutch. Um where if you're feeling that way, instead of staying in that feeling and trying to figure your way forward, mm -hmm. they would just fall back and say, okay, I'm just going to be the same as I was before. Oh, wow. You know? So you're, I don't think your position or, or what you're going through is anything different than everybody else. Um, gosh, I wish my church was closer. I'd say, come to my church. <laughs> I wish it was too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most of the churches, because I've tried on several churches, mm -hmm. and they just seemed very judgmental, and I didn't yeah. like that. Yeah. I didn't like the judginess. Yeah. I didn't like the way that yeah. you did it this way, or you were wrong, or mm -hmm. you did it this way, or you were damned. Exactly, exactly. And so what kind of God would send 90% of people to hell. I think we should up that a little bit they more. Did. Okay, 99. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this golden group that gets in. I, I can't remember. I think the Jehovah Witness number used to be like, wasn't it 120,000 would be so. saved? And then everybody else was, and I'm like, why Which even try? Which me that they were trying to recruit people I know, all the time. I know. Like, why would I sign up for that? I'm not going to get in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I might as well stay home and watch TV. Why would I bother? So, yeah, they've changed that, though, because they figured out. They couldn't get people to keep joining when their own number got over 120,000. You know, they had to change their, they had to up the number. Is that what they did? Get in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which makes sense. I mean, but, you know, the other churches, at least where I see it, we're all doing the same thing because I'm trying to be more open and more welcoming to groups that were hurt by the church. But it's not necessarily to get numbers. It's to bring healing. You know, maybe so maybe I'm not doing the same thing, <laughs> but sometimes it's confusing. It's like, all right, we do need people. Otherwise, the church can't survive. Right. Because the church is the people. Um, but the right teaching, man, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. You've, it's got to be a church based on grace and love. Otherwise, everybody's just as lost as they were before. They just don't know it. That's true. Yeah. So, and rough. with spirituality, meditation is yes. encouraged and embraced, and that yes. helps you lead to your own yes. answers. We've actually been talking about using the Christian form of meditation, which is centering prayer. And the only difference is instead of a mantra, you use a word like love or Jesus or whatever. And you have um, a minute of silence built into the worship service to uh -huh. get everybody centered and you kind of teach how to do centering prayer. We haven't done that yet. We have a time of silence. Um, and in the bulletin, it says, if you don't know what to pray for, just relax, you know, just sit there for a minute. <laughs> See what comes to mind and, and, you know, don't worry about it. But I think that meditation is huge. It is so huge. Prayer, in my experience, has always been me talking. And meditation is me listening. Yeah. And I think that's the key to all of it. If we would just all shut up for a while, then the universe will tell us what we need to know. 
Yeah. It's so hard to turn off the chatter sometimes. It's hard to turn off the chatter, and it's also hard to pick up the subtle signs that the mm-hmm. universe gives. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that yes. when I'm in a really foul mood and I'm really negative, I injure myself a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be walking through the house and stub my toe on oh. a chair leg or something, and I'm like... <sighs> that just makes you matter. <laughs> it does. But I have learned over time to recognize yeah. that it's my, my guides. Like, hey, yeah. hey. Yeah. Hey, wake up. Snap out of this. It's yeah. not serving you. And I'm like, fine. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. get it. That is so true. We need help. We do. You know, we need help. And however we believe it comes, whether it's from praying in a church or from meditating or having your guide speak to you or whatever, um, that's the most important thing is that we know we're not alone. We're all connected. And there are, you know, it's not like we're just stuck out here on this planet trying to figure it out by ourselves. Sure. So that, that to me is hopeful. It's easy to forget that though. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> Every day we feel like, oh no, what do I have to do today just to survive? Because so. with all the teachings that I followed, I feel like we each individually are God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you still forget that. Mm-hmm. You, like, I'm yeah. God, you're God, the wall is God, right. the, gl- the grass is right. God, this chair right. is God. But... Yes, yes. There's a wonderful scripture that um, St. Paul wrote that says, in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. So in God. So if you picture that God is this, I don't know, energy field, we're all in God. Oh, wow. And I, I have looked at that verse and... And I recognized it when I was young and I knew that there was something there that was just so true that we don't pay attention to because really the Bible, especially old Testament teaches that God is other. So God is somewhere far away. Um, the, in Genesis, it talks about how there's, if you know, if you study Genesis, you'll know that it's kind of like you're in a snow globe. There's the firmament or the ground, and then there's all the people and the animals, and then there's this dome over the top of it. So there's a heavens under the dome, and there's a heavens above the dome, and God's up above the dome. So you are completely separate from God. And then by the time you get to Jesus' teaching now, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. It's at your fingertips. It's right there. You just have to enter in. And I'm like, whoa, what a huge shift. But it's not so much a shift as a progression of people learning and understanding what God is really like. And you just nailed it. I mean, yeah, God is everything. God is everywhere. There's no place we go where we get away from God. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. What do you think caused the shift in the Bible? Do you think it was just the evolution of human consciousness? Well, that's got to be part of it for sure. Um even though there's a shift in the Bible, there's not a lot of shift in people who read the Bible. So, yeah, that's tricky. But here's the way I see the Bible. <clears throat> Sorry. I think that people have taken it over over the years to be the word of God. Like, we, it is absolutely what God said, and we must stick to it. But I see the Bible as a collection of people's thoughts and lived experiences. So if people are thinking and having an experience about God or about the world or about themselves, that's in the Bible. And we have to look at their experiences and say, those are just everyday normal people who had this weird experience and now it's written down in this Bible and I'm studying it. I can have that experience too. And I can create my own thoughts about it. So I, yeah, I, I think that 
the transformation and people's view of God is evident in the Bible, but I'd say not a whole lot of people notice it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of sad because I think God inspires like us talking right now. I think we're inspired by God yeah. because inspired just means in spirit. And the people that wrote the Bible were inspired by God, but it's, it's not in concrete because nothing is. That's Everything's true. fluid. Everything transforms. So, yeah. So we just keep, keep growing. The only thing is we don't add anymore to the Bible. So we, it stopped, you know, and nobody adds to it I except for so. like, except for like a course in miracles. So oh, there is yeah. somebody that added to the collection. And of course it's not recognized, but no, it's not. It's, and it's deep. I got partway through and I'm like, okay, I'm not ready for this. It's very deep. <laughs> it is. It is. It's different, but I liked, I mean, I like exploring different things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it is pretty telling because the people that wrote the Course in Miracles, they, they were not religious. They were not. Right. Not at all. They weren't even having the easiest kind of life. I mean, there was a lot of infighting and bickering. Exactly. Exactly. And it didn't just come out easily. I mean, that is a massive work. It they is. they spent what like a year just I think it was, transcribing what she was saying. I, I think it was seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And she had agonized over it for a yeah. long time, but she yeah. said that she wanted to do something to help people and make a change. Oh, wow. wow, that's great. And the very first thing she wrote that down was, was "This is a course in miracles." She's yeah. like, "Well, wow. I, I love the premise <laughs> of it that miracles happen every day, and if we don't, if we're not having miracles happen, then something's wrong." Yeah, I love that. Just think of all the hope and joy that could bring to somebody who's ready to hear that. Yeah. No, but somebody who's down and feeling terrible about life, they'd be like, "Yeah, well, I don't get any miracles," and that's the end of the conversation. Sure. But I'm looking for miracles like all the time. And they happen sometimes. Just crazy stuff happens. Like what? Little little things. Like, I feel like I, I was supposed to write a, a letter to a particular person, and I didn't do it. So one day I just feel compelled, like, do it right now. So I write this quick note, put it in an envelope, stick a stamp on it, look out the window at the church, and the USPS truck is out front. So I run out to the truck because we don't have outgoing mail at the church. So I run out to the truck and I say, hey, can you take my letter? And he's like, he looks at the name and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to her place in a couple minutes so I can just drop it off. Oh, my gosh. So if I had sent the card oh, a week before, she probably would have got it that day. Uh-huh. But I sent it that day and she still got it that day. I'm like, what <laughs> in the world? That was crazy good. <laughs> So, yeah, so my letter got, I, I probably would get my post worker in trouble because I don't think they're supposed to do that. But he's like, yeah, I'll just take it to her house right now. That's so fun. Yeah. So just little things like that. Crazy things that shouldn't happen. I was like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. And I feel like when you expect good things to happen, mm-hmm. then good things do, do happen. For instance, they do. on Friday, I went to get my son and I got lost in the mind chatter and yes. drove past where I was supposed to turn. And I'm like, of course I must have. I thought I was going to be late, but you know, I've still got a little time in the road that I turned down. There were two girls on, uh, one was sitting on a skateboard and the other was pushing the girl on the skateboard oh. and they were laughing and having such a good time. And I'm like, 
So that's why yeah. I went down this road so that I could rendezvous yeah. with these girls having fun yes. because I too am having fun and yes. it's a really fun day. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I love that. And on my way that's home great. today, there was a, a police officer that turned oh and followed me all the way from Fremont to Angola. <laughs> he and was running your plates. Well, you it sure. used to be that <laughs> if a cop got behind me, I grew up with some fun-loving criminals. So I would just oh. anticipate getting yes. pulled over and yes. I would get pulled over. Yes. And now yes. when a police officer gets behind me, I'm like, I'm not doing anything wrong. He right. has no cause to pull me over. I'm right. following right. the right. limits of the law. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with my car. Why would he want to pull me over? Yeah. Yeah. So I went from yeah. getting pulled over 100% of the time if a cop got yes. behind me to 100%. They You're don't not... bother me. Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of it is what you expect yes. out of life. Yes. And you are aware. Your awareness is there. Yeah. Before you were unconscious about thinking, oh, no, they're going to pull me over. You know, sure. it just was automatic. It was one of those old thoughts it was. that you had over and over and over and over. And it wasn't, didn't change until you had a new thought. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so, it is so simple. It's really kind of freaky. <laughs> like, but then every once in a while something happens and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I did not think that. Sure. And I wasn't expecting that. And then that's when I think collective conscious yeah. is kicking in. For example, climate change. I don't, I mean, none of us wants climate change I don't think and it's coming anyway so some things we have a lot of control over Mm -hmm. and that's all up here and then if enough of us think about positive changes to our earth to our world we can change the climate change but it's going to take a lot of people because there's a whole lot of brains out there now thinking that we're all doomed and we're going to, you know, burn up the earth by what, what's the number now? Is it 2050 or something? I don't know. I don't feed into that. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can't. I don't even You look. can't. You can't. You're exactly right. I think the top stories came up on my phone today and I clicked on it for some reason I, and a minute in, yeah. I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to close this window I, on my phone. I don't read them anymore. I, somebody said to me once, I think it was my brother said, News that you go and look for and, and explore is actual news. News that comes to you on your phone is propaganda. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that before. So, okay, if it comes to me, I'm not going to read it. But if I'm curious about it, I'm going to look it up. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah, so, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but something to think about. Because I want to think about things that are true and right and pure and noble and trustworthy and praiseworthy and excellent. Those are the things I want to think about. So I don't have a lot of room in my brain for those other things. I love it. <laughs> All right. So what are some parting words that you would like to leave people some with? Words. Life advice. Mm-hmm. Anything like that? Life advice. Um, just remember that you are never alone. Even when you feel alone and lonely and things don't feel like they're working out for you, you're never alone. There's always help. And help is on the way as soon as you look for it, as soon as you anticipate it. Reach out to somebody. Don't be by yourself, um, you know, if you're feeling that way. There's got to be somebody on this planet that you can talk to. And if you can't find anybody, you can call me or Jesse. Oh, thanks. I needed to hear that today. Good. Me too. <laughs>